This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. Now the permits that we give given had conditions to make sure that we can monitor the activities and that we can ensure ourselves continuously that no risk to the aquifer is happening. Now, unfortunately, the company did not confirm to the conditions. That's Carl Sheltawin, Namibia's Minister for Agriculture, Water and Land Reform, on the decision to halt Russia's state atomic energy agency's uranium exploration. Details coming up. Also, officials are arriving in Tigray for joint monitoring and verification of a peace deal. West African fishermen suffer with prices soaring for essentials. And former Pope Benedict's health is reported to be unchanged. These stories and more on African News Tonight. Our top story, during the three-day U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit, President Joe Biden announced several major initiatives. The United States will provide $55 billion to Africa during the next three years for development, economic growth, health, and security. Washington also will support a permanent seat for Africa on the U.N. Security Council and membership in the Group of 20 of the world's largest economies. And Biden will visit Africa next year. Ahmed Fatih, a UN correspondent and global affairs analyst, discussed with VOA senior analyst Mohammed Shinawi whether these initiatives reflect a lasting shift in US Africa policy. I hope, like many others, that there will be a continuation in the US approach with the African continent. However, African countries, African leaders, uh, observers, they have a level of skepticism. During the uh, former President Trump administration, Africa was really in the forgotten uh, parts of the world. What Africans hope that the current resuscitation of the US-Africa relationship would be sustainable. It needs to be institutionalized. And most importantly, the conclusion are quite promising. But I hope that the administration would carry on. Logically, I would say that in areas as foreign policy and defense, it should transcend the partisan divide we have in the United States. What can happen next? Who's going to be the next uh, president? I cannot really guarantee that. Usually with uh, Democrats uh, and because of the nature of the Democratic Party and the leadership, there is, of course, more understanding and sympathy. Uh, but it's again, it comes down to fulfillment. Ahmed, you have been working at the UN for so many years. How do you think that giving Africa a permanent seat at the UN Security Council and a membership in the G20 group will contribute to meeting this era's challenges? And is Africa ready to play this kind of role in the global stage? Giving Africa a permanent seat Uh, that uh, President Biden, during his statement at the UN General Assembly, it's been on the table for over 20 years. I remember when I first came to the United Nations over a decade ago, one of the first meetings that I covered was the reform of the Security Council. I remember back then speaking to one of the veteran diplomats, the UN, 
And he said, well, don't be carried away, but it's, it's going to take at least uh, 20 more years to reach that reform. President Biden bringing it to the forefront and making it part of his statement to the General Assembly gives it a, a weight and a heavy weight. But it's not the end of the route. There is procedural obstacles giving a country a permanent seat on the council that will require amending the UN chart. Procedure for uh, amending the UN charter as stipulated in Article 108, it will require two-thirds majority at the uh, General Assembly to approve, number one. Number two, it has to be ratified by two-thirds of the voting countries, including the five permanent uh, members of the Security Council. Do you see that this can happen in a year or two? I doubt very much. The things, how things run in the, in the United Nations, in the multilateral diplomacy in general, that we need to build consensus. U.S. is uh, in favor of giving Africa a seat, not only Africa, but also they want to give uh, another European country a permanent seat. They want to give Japan uh, or an Asian country, whether it be Japan, it's going to be India. There is uh, so many stakeholders in amending the UN Charter. Another challenge that which country in Africa would be holding the seat? Is it going to be South Africa, Nigeria, Egypt, Morocco? Who in Africa will be entrusted with this uh, important development? These are all questions we have to take into consideration. That was Ahmed Fatih, a UN correspondent and global affairs analyst, speaking with VOA senior analyst Mohamed El Shenawi. Tunisia's president, Kais Saeed, today dismissed the low turnout in this month's parliamentary elections and took aim at his critics. Just over 11% of registered voters took part in the vote, two points higher than initial estimates. The French news agency AFP says that's the lowest figure since the 2011 revolution that overthrew Abdin Ben Ali. It's also seen as a rejection of Saeed's assumption of growing presidential powers, takeover of the judiciary, and weakening of parliament. He reportedly told his cabinet today that turnout of 9% or 12% is better than 99% in previous elections, which were welcomed by foreign countries, even though they knew they were rigged. He said critics were drowning in corruption and treachery and plotting against the state. A video on his Facebook page said they would not go unpunished. And he called those who criticized the alleged weakening of human rights protections in the country mercenaries. South Sudan is sending 750 troops to join the East Africa force trying to bring peace in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo despite its own struggles with internal conflict. Sheila Pony reports from Juba, South Sudan. President Sal Fakir officially deployed troops to Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo to join an East African regional force aimed at ending decades of bloodshed in that country. The troops joined contingents from Kenya, Burundi and Uganda in what is known as a test of the East African community's ability to respond to violence in the region and stabilize the country. Addressing the troops in Juba before their departure, President Kir advised the forces to maintain highest level of professionalism. You are now going on a mission to achieve and keep peace in Congo. Only your caps will change to blue caps 
because you will participate in a joint operation between all the countries of East Africa. I warn you of the need to show discipline and order. He also instructed the troops not to commit crimes such as rape. SPLA during the liberation struggle was very disciplined. I don't want you to go and cause chaos or disorder. Don't go and engage in the raping of women and girls. Minister of Defense and Veteran Affairs Angelina Tengi said that as a member of the East African community, South Sudan has a stake in the security and stability of the Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, we are asked to contribute uh, a battalion uh, plus a little bit. And we've been preparing all this time, and the battalion now is ready. And today they have just received their final orders from His Excellency the President and the Commander-in-Chief. Um, uh, they will be now on their way for that operation. Angelina Tengi said the East African community had given regional backing to South Sudan's troop deployment in the Eastern DRC. She described the country's troop deployment as a positive move by a country grappling with its own security issues. We are very, very proud today because our flag of the Republic of South Sudan is going to be flying as a regional force to continue to, to contribute to stability and peace. And uh, what I was saying there is that this is a great opportunity, a great opportunity for us to actually change the image uh, of this country. South Sudan's troops will be stationed in Goma City, from where they will conduct operations to restore normalcy to the region where Congolese troops are fighting the M23 rebel group, which is accused of targeting civilians in a decade-old conflict. Sheila Oponi for VOA News, Juba, South Sudan. The Vatican says former Pope Benedict remains in grave but stable condition and unchanged from yesterday. Reuters, quoting the Vatican, says the retired Pope rested well overnight and is lucid. Another source, the French news agency AFP, says that his condition began to deteriorate about three days ago. The source said his vital functions are failing, including his heart, but added that he has the necessary medical equipment at home to prevent immediate hospitalization. Yesterday, Pope Francis urged Catholics around the world to pray for this for his predecessor. In 2013, Benedict became the first pope in 600 years to resign as the leader of the Roman Catholic Church. The Vatican will hold a special Mass for him on Friday at Rome's Basilica of St. John Latran. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Iheyes Wuhib in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs, and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. Forty-six soldiers from Ivory Coast will be tried by a court of appeal in Mali today. 
the military government in Bamako, which calls them mercenaries, arrested the troops in July as they arrived at the airport to back up a German contingent of UN peacekeepers. The French news agency AFP says the court session will not be open to the public, but that the International Committee of the Red Cross would attend as observers. The news service noted the appearance of the troop in court comes in the run-up to a January 1 deadline set by West African leaders for Mali to release them or face sanctions. An Ivorian delegation that flew to Mali for talks on the crisis last week said the issue is on the way to being resolved. Namibia has halted uranium exploration by Russia's State Atomic Energy Agency over concerns about potential contamination of underground water. Namibia is Africa's biggest producer of the nuclear fuel and the world's second largest, and in 2019 granted Russia's Rosatom's subsidiary One Uranium exploration rights. But this month, Namibia's Ministry of Agriculture, Water and Land Reform refused to grant it a water use permit required for mining, saying the company failed to prove its uranium extraction method would not cause pollution. Vitalio Angola reports from Windhoek in Namibia. Namibia's Minister of Agriculture, Water and Land Reform, Kalesh Ladvine, told VOA this month they could not grant Russia's Atomic Energy Agency a permit for uranium mining. Namibia, Africa's biggest uranium producer and the world's second, in 2019 gave Rosatom exploration rights. But its local subsidiary, One Uranium, still requires a water use permit to begin mining. Schladwein said no further permit would be granted because the method of mining the company proposed, known as in-situ leaching, was raising environmental concerns. Now the permits that we give given had conditions to make sure that we can monitor the activities and that we can ensure ourselves continuously that no risk to the aquifer is happening. Now unfortunately the company did not confirm to the conditions and we have now suspicion that the mining operation, which is called in-situ leaching mining, is in fact a serious risk to the aquifer by polluting it. In-situ mining involves recovering minerals by dissolving them in an acid pumped into the ground and then pumping the solution back to the surface. Schladwein said farmers in Namibia's eastern Omaheke region had petitioned against the technique. Roy Miller is a retired underground water geologist and a member of the management committee of the Stamprit Aquifier Uranium Mining Association, SWAMA. He also petitioned against in-situ mining and read his statement to VOA. Mine solutions do escape because of improper operations, leaks, equipment breakdowns, borehole problems and geological problems. Spreading mine solutions become a major threat to the safety of the drinking water, way beyond the confines of the mine area. One uranium spokesperson, Rian van Royen, dismissed the concerns. He told VOA the extraction method was used in Kazakhstan, the world's largest uranium producer without harming the environment. Because it is a fairly new way in Africa, there is no such mine. Um, It is the fear of the unknown that is mostly 
concerns for the local farmers. Van Royen said halting the project will deprive one of Namibia's poorest regions of about 600 jobs and a $55 million investment. The Russian company in November took a delegation of national and community leaders and media from Namibia to Kazakhstan to show them how in Sutu leaching works. Petra Vidboy is a constituency councillor in Leonardville where the project was proposed to take place. She was on the trip to Kazakhstan and supports the project to help boost gross domestic product. As we approach the end of year 2022, VOA wants to give you, our loyal listeners, the opportunity to wish your loved ones a happy new year. Call us on our WhatsApp number 202-258-3076. Leave a brief message and listen for it right here on VOA. The number again is 202-258-3076. Let VOA help you bring cheers and blessings to friends and family by just calling 202-258-3076. Italy's right-wing government has approved new measures restricting the procedures of ships that rescue migrants at sea. Reuters says a new cabinet decree says vessels that pick up stranded migrants should request a port in Europe and sail to it without delay rather than continue looking for others in distress. Currently, rescue ships stay in the Mediterranean for several days, sometimes picking up hundreds before docking. Under the new rules, captains breaching the measures can be fined 53,000 U.S. dollars and potentially have their ships impounded. The government of Italian Prime Minister Giorgio Meloni says non-government organizations are facilitating traffickers and are a pool factor attracting new migrants. But the charities say a document from Italy's interior ministry shows only about 10% of the new arrivals this year were brought in by aid group boats. Reuters says 102,000 migrants arrived in Italy in 2022, about double the previous year, but lower than the peak of 181,000 in 2016. The debt toll of a gas tanker blast in South Africa has risen to 27. Reuters says the explosion which took place in the Boxburg suburb of Johannesburg on Christmas Eve tore off the roof of the emergency department of the Tambo Memorial Hospital and injured 10 of its health workers. It also destroyed two houses and several cars and injured bystanders 500 meters from the scene. Several of the victims died from severe burns. Reuters says the truck driver, who was arrested on suspicion of culpable homicide, was released due to a lack of evidence. On VOA Africa Radio, we let the sound tell you the story. News, sports, science and entertainment, available to you 24-7. Tune in on your local FM stations. 
We are also available on the medium waves, 909 kHz and 1530 kilohertz. Our short waves are 6080, 15580, 4930, 15165, 15580 and 17530 kHz. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news and information. The African Nations Championship, or CHAN, tournament kicks off in just over two weeks. Today, the football governing body on the continent, CAF, announced the roster of officials for the matches, which includes three women. They are referee Vincentia A. Amedon from Togo and assistant referees Karin Atizambong Fomo of Cameroon and Diane Chikotesha from Zambia. They are among the 19 referees, 21 assistant referees and 12 video assistant referees representing 32 of CAF's member associations. Initially scheduled for 2022, the Total Energies CHAN will run from January 13th to February 4th in Algeria. Four cities will be used, Algiers, Constantine, Oran and Annaba. For all the CAF actions, tune in VOA's Sunny Side of Sports and check out voaafrica.com. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. And at this time, we would like to thank those who responded to our invitation to send New Year messages. Samson Zani from Togo sent this message. Wish to identify myself with your esteemed and fascinating world-class radio VOA. Thank you for fetching new services and being the harbingers. Happy and blissful new year in advance of 2023. Samson Zani from Lome, Togo. From Malik Sisai. I wish my mother, Victoria Williams, father, Alpha Sisai, brother, mother, Sisai, all in Freetown. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Malik Sise in Accra. And greetings, VOA. I am Abba Dahru Giri from the National Assembly, Abuja, Nigeria. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Barrow, and our engineer, Bob Bass, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.
Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's Newsmaker Interview Program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash VOA or on Twitter at VOA. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday 